You are now tuned in to Trust the Scoop with your host, Philip Dukes, a.k.a. Dukes the Scoop. Yo, welcome to the Brian Harden has been hired for a week and a half, two weeks edition of Trust the Scoop. The Derek Mason is your new defensive coordinator edition of Trust the Scoop. Mike Bobo and Will Friend are on the offense edition of Trust the Scoop. I'm your host, Philip Dukes. Find me at Dukes the Scoop on Twitter, Dukes the Scoop on Instagram, and at Philip Dukes on Facebook. And I have one of the most influential guys in Auburn media right now. Got it out the mud himself, a former college coach, Auburn bloodline, blue blood Auburn guy, Jake Crane. Yeah. Give it up for Jake Crane, everybody. Hey, what's up, Dukesy? Glad to be back on, man. I know a lot's gone on since the last time we talked, and uh, I know the people out there are, are excited to hear kind of where it's going. No, absolutely, man. So, uh, man, so let's just let, like, let's jump right into it. Mm-hmm. Derek Mason, on a scale of one to ten, how do you rate this hire? Uh, you know, it's it's tough to be a ten, but it's about as close as you can get. And and the reasons for that, I, I look at what was available. I look at guys like him and and Marcus Freeman. Uh, you know, Avalos would have been in that second tier, I think, behind them. Um, you know, a guy that's in the running for the Boise State job. But he, I mean, Brian Harson uh, knocked it out of the park with this one, and it's for many reasons. And I've talked about this on the radio and on the show, and me and you have discussed it. And it's not just for defense. Uh, and schematically, what Derek Mason does. Uh, philosophically what he does defensively, understanding how important different areas of the field are, uh, understanding how you have to adjust to certain offenses that he's seen out in the West Coast. And then now in the SEC, you know, we started out pretty much as a three down, three, four guy and, and blended some of that four, three stuff in the SEC. And in reality, you know, like me and Cole Kubik were talking about, you got to be multiple and it's reactionary. So if the offense, you know, throws out a, a certain personnel, it, it doesn't matter, you know, what you consider your base, you have to be able to match that. Uh, and be able to make sure you know where the matchups are. So from a schematic standpoint, you're not going to find a guy better. Uh, you're not going to find a guy better from a personality standpoint that has relationships with players that guys want to play for, uh, regardless if they're former or current, which I think helps in recruiting, which is a big aspect. But there's also a hidden layer, I think, as well. You know, Derek Mason coached in the SEC. He understands what the teams are trying to do schematically against you. As I've said, you know, Tennessee, Georgia, Florida, what does Dan want to do to you uh, when you do give him three down on a passing down? What does he want to do? Uh, what is, you know, Pruitt and them, as long as he's going to be there at Tennessee, I don't know how much longer. What do they want to do, you know, offensively with Jim Chaney when you're showing pressure on third and passing down? So you're really not having to uncover everything if you're Brian Harson with Derek Mason because you can go right across the hall and say, uh, Coach Mason, we're sitting here putting together this offensive game plan. You know, you coached against, you know, Texas A&M a bunch. Uh, what do you think about them? What did you guys do that worked? What didn't work? Uh, what do you think they're going to give us here? And for a guy that's new in the car, uh, conference like Brian Harson, it's efficiency. And I'm going to keep saying it. It's a race for efficiency. That's what the process is. That's why you're seeing all these structural hires around mm-hmm. to make sure that you can fast track and streamline information. So coaches like Derek Mason can worry now about, you know, just game planning. But there's a lot of stuff that goes into it uh, off the field as well. Relationships with coaches, not only in the state of Tennessee, where he was in Vanderbilt, but all throughout the Southeast and even out on the West Coast, you know, from his time at Stanford, being able to go out there like Alabama goes out there and snags a Najee Harris. Or you go out there and snag a big time DB or you start getting in some of these recruiting battles that you weren't really able to because your footprint wasn't that expanded. So long story short, Derek Mason is, is a great hire for many, many reasons. Uh, and I think it's already paying dividends from a structural uh, and layout of the land standpoint in recruiting. And there's going to be a lot of guys that hit this portal that Auburn needs 
needs and having a guy like Derek Mason that can go do an in-home that's available, that's been a head coach, that understands how to recruit and what these kids want is going to be a big feather in the cap early from Brian Harson. No, oh, man, that's, uh, that, <clears throat> that's absolutely great stuff and uh, good to hear. Now I have another question now. <clears throat> there is a perception that a player at Vanderbilt wouldn't necessarily be a player at Auburn as far as the level or the caliber of player. Now, with your coaching experience at South Alabama, and a lot of times you do see guys have in their final five South Alabama and Vanderbilt in the same top five, right? So yeah. It's because it's such an academic powerhouse, man. You know that <laughs> South Alabama just like Vanderbilt. Right. <laughs> I made a 24 on the ACT, dog. It's crazy. Let's get it. So... <laughs> <laughs> But now, but seriously, like with with uh, some with your experience as far as recruiting against Vanderbilt at times, right? Yeah. Do you feel like the the caliber of player that Derek Mason may have had relationships with for the twenty two class or the twenty three class of guys who are already looking at Vanderbilt? Do you think those type of players, if you take some one of the best ones, maybe a low three star that may have been eyeing Vanderbilt already and are having a relationship with Derek Mason. Do you feel like he would be able to pluck that type of talent and bring him to Auburn and they will be successful? Or is it a type of deal that Derek Mason just has to clear his slate and just go after star going after four and five star guys? You know, that's a great question. And, you know, you know, places like Vanderbilt, that there's always a couple guys. Uh, you look at Zach Cunningham from a couple of years ago, the linebacker Man. they had, who's I think just made another tackle, as, as I just said <laughs> right. this. Um, and, and there's always spots. But, you know, you can think about it in that term. I, I don't know how much – I think it's actually the inverse. I, I wonder how many homes of four-star guys or big-time guys that, that had offers from other places – that Derek Mason called or had a great relationship with. And, and those guys said, man, coach, if, if you just weren't at Vanderbilt, I would mm. come there. If you were at a bigger school, I would come there. Cause I, I would love to play for you, uh, but I'm trying to make the NFL and, you know, scouts will go to Auburn and Alabama and Georgia before they go to Vandy. I'll be able to play in bigger games and get in the bigger scene. I wonder how many recruits in the 2022 class, because even if you're at Vanderbilt, you still have to identify who these guys are. You still know the high school coach. You said, listen, this guy's a big time guy. I don't know if you're going to be able to touch him at Vandy. But now all of a sudden he calls Derek Mason and goes, just heard you took the Auburn D.C. job. We got this five star defensive end. You remember him. Y'all had a great relationship. I think you need to get in the door and you guys will have a chance. I wonder how many big time guys that are younger guys are even guys that went to other other places that maybe are at other places, they're going to hit the transfer portal that go, wait a minute. Derek Mason was my favorite guy that recruited me. I couldn't go there because he was at Vandy. And I just couldn't make that decision. But now he's at Auburn. Well, I'm going to go to Auburn. So mm. I wonder how many kids on the other side of that heard that news and Auburn instantly jumped into right. their top group because now they get to be recruited by a guy that they love to be recruited by a guy, uh, or excuse me, the guy they love to be recruited by, a guy mm -hmm. they would love to play for, and now he's at a place that you have a chance to win a national championship and play on the biggest stage week in and week out. Yeah, that's absolutely and, – and, and when I thought about the question, I was like, man, I'm thinking about no, That's a great question. And, and I'm thinking about it. I appreciate it. And I'm thinking like, well, damn, you know, some of these guys – I look at a guy like Keyshawn Vaughn, right? And I'm looking at the yeah. type of running back he was and the type of running back. He actually had a decent season for the time he did get into uh, to the game for Tampa Bay this year. And um, But at Vanderbilt, I just thought he was a guy. I was like, man, how did this guy make it at Vanderbilt? Right? Yeah, yeah. And you start, like, Zach Cunningham, right? He comes, like, he's from uh, Huntsville, I think. And, uh, or somewhere. Where, where is Zach Cunningham from? I, 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 I want to say, I want to say, right, I can't remember off the top of my head. But, you know, Duke's talking about it. There's always, and, and you can go to any school. I mean, there's always guys that either flew under the radar 
or that weren't projected. Cause I mean, it's an inexact science. I mean, my right. dad used to tell me all the time. I, I turned Zach Thomas down cause he was too short. Mm. Like I sat in the living room and told him we didn't have a spot for him cause he was too short. So, you know, it, it happens to everybody. There's a lot. I mean, you know, Kirby chose Jake Fromm over jo- Justin Fields, you know, at the end of the day, you hindsight's always 2020, but there are guys. And that's why you see sometimes in the NBA, you turn on and some dude's balling. You're like, where is he from? Or the right. NFL, you're like, I've never heard of it. And all of a sudden like, yeah, he's from Shadron state. And you're like, man, where is that? It happens all the time. Right. And uh, I, I really think it, it's almost a different art form. Cause if you think about it, it's, it's really interesting to think about. So as a coach, you're used to what evaluating and projecting high school kids. Mm-hmm. Well, now that the portal's so crazy this year and it's kind of turned up now you're watching tape, almost like huddle tape, but it's a dude that plays for NC state. So now you're evaluating right. and it's gotta be easier you know, as a coach, because he's playing against the competition that you're playing at. So you get an actual true evaluation. It's not a guy maybe from a smaller school that you don't know the level of competition he's playing at. If you really know, or you think he has a ceiling that that's tall, uh, it's almost a totally different evaluation and totally different situation. So I thought that's been interesting as well, but no, it's, it's a great question. And it's, it's something I think on both sides of the coin a little bit, but coaching at places like Vanderbilt. And even when I coached in junior college for a few years, it makes you a better coach. Like Mm. you have to be because you don't have those four and five stars and it almost, you know, you almost go to another place, I guess. And you feel kind of spoiled. And it's like, man, well, if I'm able to have the same energy and the same passion and get out of these guys, what I got out of some less talented guys and be able to be productive. Well, you know, it just makes it more fun for me and and obviously increases my chances of doing the things that I want to do personally. So there's a lot of moving parts that go into it, but it was a really good question. No, man, thanks a lot. And uh, let me ask you, so there's a coach that we've been hearing about that's in Auburn right now from Boise State. Um, So we talked about the uh, strength coordinator on on the phone, uh, strength coach. Uh, He looks old school to me. I like it. You know, he's not one of the guys who's going to be, you know, on the the sideline with his uh, sleeves cut off or anything or, you know, doing New Jersey fist pumping. But he's he's – uh, he, yeah, he's the he's the guy that, you know, you just you just pray that for some reason, some technological thing doesn't go wrong in your phone to screw up your alarm or, or that God forbid something happens. Somebody wakes you up and you just have a picture of Jeff Pittman in your mind, Man. realizing if you're late, almost like Coach Yox. And, you know, Man, when I, I, had I swear Gerard you powers on, you know, a guy I mean, you both know. Right. Yeah, it, it, he was it, talking about that. I was See, thinking it's, that it's something to where. It's you don't want to not only do you not want to let your teammates down and, and everybody's on the scene together and, and you want to be a, a leader and, and set a good example. But, man, that the, the punishment, like the punishment, I, I I mean, I've watched guys bear crawl up five, you know, five yard lines or excuse me, t- 10 yard lines marked out all the way up and down the field right. constantly, you know, yeah, and, stuff like, like that. and it just it, it, it's the ultimate deterrent. And it just, it's like I said, and, and sorry, I don't mean to cut you off, but it's like that alarm we all have. Like if you played and, and had to go to those early workouts or anything, have to get up and go do something, physical labor, manual labor, whatever, it, there's a certain alarm on your phone that whether it was back in the day in high school, you used to have to do that job that was so tough that goes off that just makes you sick to your stomach like instantly. I have one. Uh, I try to delete it from my phone. I think it's impossible to delete from my phone, but it'll never make a noise again because if I hear it, I will literally get physically ill. But that that culture, that not wanting to, to let everybody down and understanding that there is accountability and there's consequences for you not doing what's in the best interest of winning. 
that's going to be the difference with Jeff Pittman. I think not that Ryan Russell didn't do it. Ryan Russell's a really good strength coach. I just think maybe bringing in this guy that's kind of a specialty with linemen and developing there. Uh, I think it was time to go kind of in a new direction. And I do think the linemen at Auburn need to physically look better. Um, you know, yeah. you kind of look at Auburn compared to other guys, you know, there's not really muscled up on the, on the offensive line, not, you know, not just kind of sloppy a little bit. And and I'm not trying to make fun of anybody, but if you look at these teams that win national championships, yeah, their guys are six foot four and three ten, but you know, they're a good three ten. They're a strong right. three ten. They're a sturdy three ten. And Auburn just hasn't had that across the board. And you have to, because that's where the game starts and wins and loses. And people will be upset and be like, Oh, well, you know, well, that's not nice. Well, you know, it, I'm not here to be nice. I'm trying to, tell tell you the reason Auburn's not winning and that's one of the reasons because physics is physics regardless of how you feel right no absolutely um and I've seen different types of linemen but what I will say is that for Auburn to be playing so many linemen out of position that being yeah, they're all have, guards right so being able to have Somebody who's like, if you're going to be out of position, you got to be absolutely mauling somebody when you get your hands on them, right? Yeah, so, well, you better be good at something. Right. So it, setting that foundation, setting that base that, you know what, if anything, we're all like, you're basically running up against a refrigerator every time. And yeah. I think that's even his build right now, right? So if you, you may not have the definition, but that dude looks like if you, you know, I don't want to fight him you know like yeah right well i mean it's like terrence cody too i mean terrence cody was so big that just science told you you weren't gonna block him like right. it just unless you had one of them you know as that's that's his size and and is able to do the things he do does it's really tough and again football is blocking and tackling that's what it is it's summed up that's what it is and when you have guys that are able to physically control the line of scrimmage at every position not mm-hmm. at one position, not or not at just one position, not at just two positions, at every position, because that's why the weight room is so important. It's a game of pushing people around. And right. up front, you got to push them around. So Auburn has got to get back, and, and a lot of it's personnel and evaluating offensive linemen and, and letting guys get into the program and develop for two years in the weight program before you put them out there. And that comes to depth because a lot of high school linemen, most – 95% are not physically ready to play in the SEC and they could be big kids, but they're right. just not strong enough. Cause there's a, there's, you can be big. There's a lot of people that are big, but there's not a lot of people that are big and strong. That's why you don't see every person that's six, seven, 300 pounds playing tackle in the NFL. Cause it's right. just not about being just big. It's about being big and strong and flexible. If you're those three things, you can have success. I think there, and there's something that I call game weight. And that's like in game strength, same thing as game speed, same principle, but you'll have a guy who's 6'7", 330, and soft as a bowl of marshmallows, right? Yeah. But he may go bench press 225, 15, 20, 25, however many times it takes for him mm-hmm. to say he's strong, right? But in the game, and this is going to lead to my next point, if he doesn't have that game strength to know how to sit in his stand so he's not being taken – off balance by uh, a fame move or a swim move or somebody leveraging where his bad weight into a position where he becomes out of position, then it doesn't matter. Like, I don't care how strong yeah. you are or anything. Yeah. So the flip side is, so let's say we got, we got the strength coach, right? And he's going to make us physically strong. Now we get to the offensive line. Now our, our new offensive line coach is Will Friend. 
What do you know and what do you think about Will Friend will enable our guys from to transition from the weight room strength into that game strength or that game size? Yeah, well, I mean, I, I think Will will be a friend of a lot of Auburn fans, not only, you know, from technique, but recruiting as well. And and, and it's a good point, and I'm going to hit that, you know, one second. But success comes when the weight room preparation meets technique preparation. Right. That's when those two things meet up, when you're physically ready to do it, when you're mentally ready to do it, and you know what you have to do from a technique-wise. Not just the one thing you have to do, but how you can adjust if maybe you're supposed to get your hat on the right side and you don't. It, those are the right. little things that coaches being able to prepare you for being uncomfortable. You have to become comfortable being uncomfortable. And I think what Will Friend does, uh, and he's a, he's a great recruiter. You can go look at his track record. Uh, he signed a bunch of good players. But if you notice from his guys and, and you know, you say, okay, you, you look at this past year at Tennessee, I'll watch Tennessee come down and run through Auburn's defensive line like they weren't there. Now, Auburn wasn't very good on the defensive line. But if you look at Tennessee, number one, they look like they're supposed to. That's the first thing. They look right. like they're supposed to. Right. The second thing is they kind of had that edge a little bit. And, and in games, listen, and when you don't have a quarterback, like it, the offensive line can be great. They can be great. But when teams just stack the box against you, and they have more numbers than you do, you're not going to have a lot of success running the ball unless that extra numbered guy misses the tackle every time and everybody else executes their block. So what I think you're going to get from Will Friend is an offensive line that when they get off the bus, you say, okay, right. well, that's a little bit different. They, you know, Kind of like the Auburn basketball team now gets off the bus and you're like, oh, my, oh, oh, wow, right. Like, look right. like Kentucky. Right. Um, now, they're not playing like Kentucky right now, but uh, right. actually they actually are playing like Kentucky are. right now. <laughs> but uh, No, but the thing about Will Friend is his guys, they tend to play with the chip and they tend to get better as the game goes on. That's one thing that I've noticed about him, and I think he's a really good in-game coach. Uh, yeah. Preparation-wise, you know all that stuff, but there's something to be said from an offensive line coach that can be on the sideline, get the group over there, Get on the board, say, number one, what are you guys seeing? Mm -hmm. All right, here's what I'm seeing. Here's what I think we do. And if you watch Tennessee when they make adjustments or wherever he's been, whenever they make adjustments on the offensive line, they tend to have a lot, a lot more success running the ball in second half. So I think Will Friend is a guy, and it's a little change up from what Auburn's had, is a guy that can come in during the game, can go over there and sit with the five-star offensive lineman and say, listen, you guys are getting off the combo way too quick. You've got to hold on more. We're going to ride it a little bit longer because they're slow playing us at linebackers. Just little stuff like that that I think Auburn wasn't able to adjust. I think a lot of it may be scheme too. You right. know, I think what Mike Bobo does in the run game mixed with what Brian Harson's going to do. I mean, if you're an offensive line coach, if I'm Will Friend and I walk in the room and you say, hey, we're going to blend Mike Bobo's run game with Brian Harson's run game and we're going to run stretch and outside zone and blend that with the power and blend that with the counter. As an offensive line guy, that's my bread and butter. I want right. a little bit of both so I can keep these monster defensive linemen in the SEC off balance and they don't know, okay, here comes split zone. Oh, okay, here comes inside zone. Oh, Pagese is in the hip? Well, it's definitely split zone. And if they pass it, they're going to run the slip play to him off play action. So right. I think a lot of it is is the scheme, but I think Will Friend is exactly what Auburn needed, uh, especially from a recruiting standpoint at the offensive line because they've got to sign some tackles. I've said it all along, and I'll keep saying it. Auburn played with more guards than the Houston Rockets this past season, and they've yeah. got to change it. No, absolutely. Um, so, and that, that that's a perfect segue into – Mike Bobo. So what I heard when I asked a few people about Bobo's, it, they they definitely said that it was the run game and his use of the tight end, which is something that Harson probably was in love with, especially with the tight end room that we have. What do you think Mike Bobo's impact will be 
and you can and you can reiterate about the run game, but just tell me what you really think about this hire as a whole. We already talked about friend and <clears throat> the meshing point between Harson and Bobo. How do you feel like that that dynamic will work, and how will it work to make Auburn successful? Yeah. Well, I, I, first off, I want to answer your last question first. Uh, I think it's a great question. I actually asked that to Cole Kublik on the show because, I mean, everybody's got egos. But, you know, Mike Bobo is the type of guy that, uh, you know, he's been places. He understands the deal. He understands what's going on. Uh, I think him and Brian Harson hit it off. Uh, they played against each other many times. It's always been uh, very complimentary of each other. I think from a preparation standpoint, it really stood out to Brian Harson because Mike Bobo does do things. Um, and not just in the run game. There's stuff he does in the passing game. If you look at Colorado State, they finished, you know, uh, pretty decent passing uh, in the conference. If you go back and look at some of the old Georgia tape, what they did out of 10 personnel with Aaron Murray and, and some of the other guys is, is uh, pretty good. And, and I love what they do out of Trey, which is think about that as trips with a tight end attached. So it's three by one, but with a tight end instead of four receivers. Right. I think he does some really good things, especially in the seam down the field, which is what Auburn's been missing. You bring up Frazier. But when I look at the blend of what Bobo will do as a play caller and the offense that he likes to run, and I look at what Brian Harson did as a play caller and the offense he likes to run, you know, philosophically, they're pretty similar. Now, Brian's a little more innovative. They'll do a little more alternative stuff, whether it's Wildcat, trick plays, some funky formations. And I think if you can take that and mix it with what Mike Bobo does, because Mike Bobo played quarterback, and he understands what the quarterback sees, and he's always going to try and put the quarterback in a position uh, to be successful and not put him in harm's way. But the difference in the offense you're going to see this year from Auburn is there will actually be a progression from the quarterback. And what does that mean? Well, it tends to make quarterbacks stay in the pocket longer. Well, what does Bo Nix have to do? He has to stay in the pocket longer. So I think Brian Harson took all that and said, okay, not only can Mike Bobo give me that and quarterback development as well, he can also go into any high school in the Southeast and know the high school coach and get me a foot in the door because all I need is a foot in the door to be able to get some of these kids so we can compete in recruiting right off the bat. So I know it's not a sexy hire for Auburn fans. I know there's some Auburn fans that think of Mike Bobo and think of the old guard in the SEC and look, I understand that. I get that. But there's a stigma too around Mike Bobo that he's just going to get in the eye and pound the ball the whole time. Now, when you have Tank Bigsby, that's not a terrible idea, but he's going to do some things out of lighter personnel, uh, 10 personnel, 11. I love what he does out of 11. I can't wait to see what Brian Harson and Mike Bobo cook up for J.J. Pegues right. and Brendan Frazier and John Samuel Shanker and Luke Deal and Landon King and the whole legion of tight ends that are at Auburn out of 11 personnel, not only attached, but detached as well. So it should be fun. So – and I'm glad you brought that up. So I'm thinking, like you said, like, so when I think Bobo, I think the old guard, and I started going to the 20 personnel type settings, and I'm thinking, yep. man, imagine some 21 or some 22 or whatever, and instead of being the H-back, Pekis is the fullback, right? Yeah, you can do some. It's Well, it'll start to look like the NFL does in the red zone because if right. you watch the NFL in the red zone – that's when they pull out all the tricks because it's really hard. And I say tricks, but, you know, you bring in certain formations and guys, you know, to run your gap scheme stuff. I mean, right. to run slip the full back, zone. right? Yeah. It's easy. You know, but the thing with heavier personnel that I think stands out is it's one thing to be able to get in heavy personnel and have weapons to run the ball. It's another thing to be able to get in heavy personnel, have weapons to run the ball and a play action passing game that can also be deadly off of that. 
That's what separates offenses when you get inside the 15, when you get inside the five and it's third and goal from the three and they don't know if you're going to pass it or run it, you're able to go in that bag. And it's not, you know, the pick play that everybody runs on the two-point conversion or the slip play to the tight end. You actually have multiple formations, multiple play action sets and bootlegs and some stuff that defenses – quite frankly, haven't had to prepare for with Auburn in a really, really long time. And another thing I think that Bobo and Harson gives you offensively, at least for the first year, maybe two years, is that it, if, if it is a true blend, which I think it will be, it's something different, which means that the book is not on you, which means you're throwing pitches that they don't know you have. So right. at least for a year or two years, you can catch people slipping. Man, and you know what? You just gave me a beautiful vision. I'm imagining Auburn first and five, from first and goal from the five, you got Bo Nix, you got Tank Bigsby at tailback, you got Pegues at fullback. Let's say you go, we, we could pick, we'll go Frazier at tight end. Pick any of the wide receivers. You can go Capers, let's go Capers and uh, Canyon, yep. right? And who do you stop? Right. That's exactly right. That's like so basically. Well, well, the best, like Duke, the best way I can explain it, I can, I can explain it in three words. And Auburn fans will understand what I mean in these three words. And you'll here comes some nostalgia, and here comes a flashback. Al Borges, mm-hmm. under center, Cooper Wallace. Think about those three things. Right. Think about those, how deadly that was every now and then. Right. Hey, you just wouldn't hear from Cooper Wallace. You just wouldn't hear from Where is he? He's blocking great. He's blocking great. Oh, the slam and slide. Cooper Wallace just went for 35 yards. <laughs> or he scored a touchdown. Or just having that ability, because what it does – like, and as a defensive guy, and I'm a defensive guy. So when you're preparing for people and you're able, because it's one thing to put it in the playbook, Dukes. It's another thing to run it during the game. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? If you put that on tape, now if I'm a DC in a conference where there's so much pressure and I'm getting paid and I've got I've to dot every I and I've got to cross every T. Now I can't just say we're going to play Auburn. We're going to stop split zone. We're going to stop gap scheme. And they're in trouble in the passing game, regardless of what personnel they come out in. Now it's when I play Auburn, it's okay. So we got to, all right, let me get on the board. Here's what they do out of 10 personnel. Here's the 3,500 things they do. Okay. Then they're going to get in some jumbo formation. Now let's go 22 and they're going to run these 33 things and they have six pass plays. And now you're having to script practice and you're like, we're going to be at practice for six hours. Like we're legitimately going to be at practice for six hours. And what that does is it spreads out your preparation time evenly. So you can't focus on that one thing. And that may, that one thing or that one adjustment that if you got those extra reps in practice or an inside drill could be the difference in that fourth and one play getting a stop or losing the game. So there's so many little things and you hear coaches talk about all the time. And I I say stealing practice time. There's, it's an art form. That's why you'll see a lot of guys, it'll be late in the game and, and they'll be up and they'll just run something that looks funny or that you haven't seen before. And you're like, what, what are we doing? The only reason they're doing that is to get it on tape. So now the other team watches it and they're like, well, we got to prepare for it. We got to put it in the script. So there's a lot of gamesmanship too, that goes on as well with that. Right, man. That's, that's, that's really a great way to put it. And um, it's, it's another thing too, like the lead up into it. So we've covered everybody, we've covered all the new coaches. Uh, what about the, uh, the code D coordinator that they brought over? Uh, I can't pronounce. What is it? Schmingo? Yeah. Somebody asked me, uh, Schmettington, somebody asked me where that left some of the, Guys on the staff, I said, right in the schmetal. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, man, you know, he's a, he's a guy I know him and Harson are tight. Uh, I know their boys. Uh, I think he's uh, helped them throughout this, you know, whole process, honestly. 
And he's a guy, just another experienced guy coming in. You look at the army that Brian Harson's building, the personnel that he's surrounding himself with, the amount of coaches, and it, a lot of it's about comfortability. Uh, it's a blend of trust and comfortability, and you mix that with a guy like Derek Mason, and I mean, whew, uh, Man, you've got a lot of minds in that room. Doesn't like even the staff that we have right now look just serious as hell? They just look like, hey, I we're mean, not- uh, well, right now, even without you know, and and every hire is important. Uh, even without the guys that I think they're going to end up getting. I mean, you look at this staff right now and it's really balanced on guys that obviously are coming with Harson, and a lot of them will be off the field roles or smaller roles from a coaching standpoint, but you surround yourself with a structure of people you trust and you go hire the best position coaches, not only schematically and, and teaching the fundamentals, but from a recruiting standpoint and you have a machine and I've said it all along when you play Alabama and you play Georgia, it's not just your eleven. Versus those 11, it's not just your first 22 versus their first 22. It's your machine and your company and your organization versus their organization. Because a lot of these games are won way before they're ever played. Right, right. And um, and to another point, too, I know a lot of people are asking about, we're talking about the rest of the coaching staff, about who would be retained from Auburn's current staff. Mm-hmm. And um, a lot of people are saying, you know, we, we'll find out really soon about uh, T-Will and Cadillac and uh, – a lot of people saying Garner's out. Uh, uh, Crime Dog took the job at uh, Miami. So, uh, or Florida, right? Uh, it was Florida. He went to Florida. Yeah, 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 Florida. Yeah. Oh, that's right. Oh, I almost slipped. I think I. Yeah, you're thinking it. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Sorry, sorry, sorry. You're good. Yeah, but oh well, sorry to, but that that'll come out too. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Crime Dog took the job at Florida. Right, right. And uh, I don't know anything about the job in Miami. And uh, yeah. What are you talking about? Yeah, yeah. But um, <laughs> when you look at it, like, so one thing is I do expect for there to be two linebacker coaches uh, based on what Boise did. They had somebody with the outside linebackers, which would be considered to be the buck in our last offense. I think they're called studs now. And uh, yeah. I think you'll have two coaches. That's in. what they're called in the league. They, they, they call them studs in the league. That's, that's, that's what they call them. So – Either way it goes, like you're gonna have two linebackers coaches, two linebacker coaches yeah. on the staff, and uh, we'll reconvene when they finish the staff. Uh, maybe put another show out, but man, recruiting wise, how do you feel, Bobo? And what do you feel like Bobo brings? And do you think that he'll be bringing a particular five star with him, quarterback? Um, yeah, uh, I mean, you look at the quarterbacks that he signed. I mean, he developed Matt Stafford. I mean, developed Aaron Murray. You just go down the list, and, and there's been a lot of quarterbacks that, that have been very successful under Mike Bobo's tutelage. You look at Gunnar Stockton. He has the number one quarterback in the 2022 class committed right now, and the kid's a stud. He reminds me of the kid from North Carolina a little bit, Sam Howell, and the way that he plays. Uh, he's a team leader. Now, I believe his head coach is Connor Shaw's brother. So uh, he's committed to South Carolina. You know, Connor Shaw oh, is, he, where, South where is, Carolina. is he at? Uh, he, Raymond, I think Raymond he committed County? there for Mike. He's that. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. In Tiger. Yep. In Georgia. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Um, and uh, I do believe though, he committed there fully for Mike Bobo. And if you're looking for a guy, I mean, you got Bo Nix, obviously, and this kid's a 2022 kid. So he went and signed in this class. He'd be signed in the next one. You talk about a guy after Bo Nix leaves and Demetrius Davis is there and, and doing his thing to be able to come in and have another elite quarterback and just add it to the list. As long as Auburn is at Mike Bobo, or excuse me, as long as Mike Bobo is at Auburn, Auburn will have a chance to sign some of the top quarterbacks in the country. I personally, um, now I, I like, I really like uh, Gunner's game. Uh, I asked some coaches around, they gave me some pointers and games for me to go look at. 
and to see um, that he's really a true dual threat. And it's more so he he's a, a like a real live dual threat. You sometimes you get those dual threat guys like they Jeremy Johnson was what he came out with like dual threat, but he was the furthest thing from it. And, yeah, he ended uh, up he ended up uh, not even really being a threat. He was more just like a like a tropical rainstorm that never turned oh into a hurricane. Goodness. Not going there, Jay. Put that on. I know. I'm sorry, Jay. Boy, not me. Yeah. But uh, shout out to J- JJ, man, uh, War Eagle. But uh, yeah, he was definitely wasn't a dual threat, if that, you know. Yeah. So you see those rankings come out and you see, okay, well, just because he can run in the high school level, he's a dual threat. Gunnar Stockton is a true dual threat. Mm-hmm. He's kind of a guy, he may be, and I, and I see he's more, he's a more aggressive runner than Bo Nix is. And you see, he has, Surprisingly enough, as far as when you see these high, highly ranked guys, you you see them with uh, they kind of play like they play with privilege, right? Mm-hmm. It's like, hey, you know, I got I'm going to stick my chest out on every throw because yeah. I know that I'm the number one quarterback. Like <laughs> he, he, I know him on TV right now. Right, right, right. Let me make sure. Oh yeah, okay. I'm not going <laughs> to run. I'm going to go out of bounds. Like I'm going to slide. Like <laughs> right, like. Man, Gunnar Stockton is a true playground. Yeah. Yeah. I just want to win, and I'm psyched to be here type quarterback. And um, I think that's why people are so crazy about him. And he does have such a high ranking. And um, I, I would love for Bobo to be to be able to bring him. And I think that the lure of knowing that he recruited a guy like that to go to South Carolina while he was there, of all the programs that wanted him, yeah, he got, him, he got an early commitment from him. Just speaks to who he is as a guy. Um, uh, he is coached by Jay Bo Shaw, Jay Bo Shaw. Yeah, yep, yep. Um, not Jay Boy Shaw, not Jay Bo Jay Bo Shaw, Jay Bo Shaw. Yeah, man, was he at Georgia Tech? Man, if you didn't ask me that right now, I'd be able to tell you that. Man, the thing with the thing with Gunner that I like is he just. You know, you hear people say he's got moxie, he's got moxie. What does that mean? Well, he really legitimately, and it's something that I think at the next level, they're going to have to maybe kind of slow him down because when he runs, it's not a I'm running to get a first down. It's I'm running to score a touchdown. I've got enough wiggle to do it, but he'll stick his face in there every time. And, you know, it gets the team fired up and all that stuff. But what I think Gunner allows you to do is just from a game plan standpoint, you know, I just talked about it, having to defend it, but as an offensive guy, the whole kitchen's open. You can run whatever you want. You can mix in a little, you know, your zone read game and your triple game and and stuff like that, which, you know, if if you're talking about a quarterback to run a a spread option, you know, system that can then go under center and run play action and, and throw the sail to the field. That's a problem for defenses. That's a ton to prepare for. And when you have a guy that can do that, it's like having a pitcher, that can throw four pitches for strikes at any point in time. They always keep you off balance, and you hope you run into one. That's about how it goes. Right, right. Hope, hopefully, that kid's a fastball, right? Yeah. Either that, or hopefully, I was so. Ho- yeah, hopefully, I, I was able to see the spin early, keep my hands back, and go the other way, or else I'm out. Right. Or exactly, man. And uh, man, J Boy, man, it's been a pleasure, man, to have you back on. And um, Man, tell everybody where they can find you at. And we and we definitely have a pretty cool announcement coming. Can we do it yet or are we gonna wait? Yeah, yeah. We can uh we can we can go ahead and hit in a little bit. Um number one, you can find the J Boy Show on Twitter, uh on Instagram at the J Boy Show, uh Spotify, Apple Podcast, everywhere, just the J Boy Show, J B O Y. Uh check us out. We're talking all SEC all the time. I uh, got some great guests coming up as well, including 
uh, Philip Dukes from Trust the Scoop. But oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, we are also uh, going, and I'm not going to give all the details right now. We're going to start doing a show as well on YouTube probably once a week uh, for subscribers. Uh, and really, I mean, it's YouTube, so it's open to the public. And uh, we're going to have a lot more information. There's going to be a certain place that's uh, going to be sponsoring that we're really excited about that we'll roll out. And we're going to be taking questions live from you guys and discussing kind of how we are now. And it'll be a lot of fun. So Dukes, I'm pumped. Uh, we'll obviously have more info. And uh, that's cool. We got to break that on here today. Man, no, absolutely, man. So uh, everybody from Trust the Scoop, uh, stay tuned. We got another segment with a uh, former Auburn offensive lineman, uh, Marcus Woo. McNeil. That'll be super cool. He, hey, Big Mac says, what up, Jake? Hey, tell, uh, hey tell, I used to love watching him play. I used to love watching him play. <laughs> the mountain sure, of the man with sweet feet, baby. Man, sweet feet, man. And we'll get into feet. all of that. So until next time, uh, stay tuned, and I'll see you in a second. All right, Duxie. Yo, welcome to the latest edition of Trust the Scoop. I'm your host, Philip Dukes. Catch me on Twitter at Dukes the Scoop, on Facebook at Philip Dukes, and on Instagram at Dukes the Scoop. Make sure you hit the link below and subscribe. Today, I got a very, very special guest, one of my close partners from when I did go to Auburn, man, when I was down there, straight off the east side, man. One of the greatest offensive tackles in Auburn history, the man, the myth, the legend, Marcus McNeil. What's up, big dog? What's going on, CP? Hey, man, what's going on, bro? Man, what's happening, man? You know, we we doing it this way, man. Man, where you at? A little light out there. Where you even at right now? Oh man, I'm at the crib, man. I'm out here in San Diego, bro. You know, oh what I'm man, oh, yeah, hey, I'm man. on the West Coast, man. You know, man, what I'm West Coasted it, man. I ain't, bro, I ain't seen you, man. I ain't gonna lie. I probably ain't, man, you know, I ain't gonna say the last place I see you at, right? We ain't gonna go there, man. <laughs> bro, it's all good. It's man, all I, think, I think we was at uh my I think it was at Club Miami where uh Joe Walker's first time with G's. It probably was about five, six oh, in the morning. Yeah. 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 That was Damn, that might have been the last time I seen you. I said, damn, look at my dog. I like yeah, yeah. they like, and my partner don't like, hey, bro, don't be running up on security like that. Say, boy, that boy ain't no security. Why that my partner, man? <laughs> hey, we bobbing through that looking like security. No privacy that now. Nah, for sure, man. But look, man, it's a crazy time in Auburn, man. We just got so we just let go of Coach Malzahn, you know, great Auburn, man. We bring in a guy from Boise State on the West Coast, uh, Brian Harson. Um, talk to me about, so you being from Georgia, and you know how Georgia football was, or and is, right, it's going to get bigger and better. Talk to me about the differences that you see on the West Coast when it comes to high school football and potential recruits and the Southeast uh, and where you came from and what the differences are and how do you feel like having some of that West Coast flavor might be able to help us out in Auburn? Oh, man. I say in high school football, the skill positions are, are very skilled out here on the West Coast. You know, okay. wide receivers, running backs, you know what I'm saying? They got good feet. They real shifty. They're fast. You know what I'm saying? Mm. Uh, but compared to down south, you know, you just got a different breed of boys. I don't know if it's that sun and humidity <laughs> that you put on them at the same time. Right. <laughs> But, hey, them boys grow big and fast, you know what I'm saying? So it's just really a different level of physicality that's coming from down south that you can't really – you can't really imitate that. Right, right. You can't, you know, so. Absolutely. Now, it's funny you say that. Now, I'm going to take you back right here. Now, 
Being a guy as big as you were, school, you came 6'8", 330, easy, right? Okay, cool. All right. So, well, when everybody else, y'all at practice. Okay, cool. My domain used to be the act. I want to go in the mirror basketball, basketball, you know, whatever, right? I come, I pick Big Mac on my team. I said, oh, hey, Mac, come run with me. Okay, I get you in, JP. Bro, you, you want to be the point guard. Bro, I got skill, bro. <laughs> <laughs> I got skill, bro. Come on. Hey, 6'8", 330. Hey, hey, look, I'm tripping hey, I'm that first. let y'all know what was going to happen before it happened. You see the big man not handling the rock. You know you're what right. I'm saying? Like, you're right. Hey, you're right, I already man. knew which way it was going. Man, look, I'm tripping. Like, so I, I thought you, you like, you know, you asked for the ball in the backcourt. I'm like, all right, cool. You know what I mean? Man, you get the ball, man, come out. What, what, what? Hey, bro, what's going on? What is this? Hey, boy. Hey, hey but boy, I might have picked the wrong sport. Bro, we hooping, man. You know, I don't know if a lot of people know this, man, but I actually went when I was coming to Auburn. I was supposed to be a two sport athlete. Like, mm. that was one of the main things before I even came. Like, they already knew listen, I, I play basketball. I actually love basketball more than I did football. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like, whole family from North Carolina. So I grew up a big Michael Jordan fan. Mm. That was actually who I really committed to was North Carolina to go and be like a two-sport two star. I ain't know but, that. Yeah, they changed up the coaching staff on me, you know, whereas they brought in a different old line coach right before I was about to come that next year. And when I met him, I just wasn't really feeling the vibe, you know. So I was like, man, I can't really do this, Ma. You know what I'm saying? I told my folks, I was like, I don't really feel comfortable going there. I don't think this man right here going to really be able to, like, accept me for who I am. I like to have fun, you know what I'm saying? I'm I'm kicking it. We always chilling, you know, right. joking around and stuff. And this guy was like, like, you know, like super serious. As soon as he come in, I'm like, man, I ain't, I can't play for the police, daddy. You know what I'm <laughs> like, like, I'm sorry, you know. So right. they understood it. And because me and Auburn had a good relationship, you know, I was going to go down there. And they said, hey, if you want to play basketball, it's all good. So, right. you know, I always want to do it, but hurt my back after my freshman year. And after I made the freshman All-American team, you know, the coach was like, hey, you know, no, you can play basketball, you know what I'm saying? But, hey, right. so told me, you can either go ahead and take the guaranteed 10 over here, or right. you can try and go make you some over here in basketball. But right. if you just keep on being the great left tackle that we got you at, <laughs> like, you locked in, you know what I'm saying? So, right. like, I, right. I, you know what? In the mirror of what it is, I'm good, you know what I'm saying? Right, right, <laughs> right, right, right. And, and you know what's crazy about it, man, like, it's funny because when I seen you with the ball in here, I was like, hey, man, like, he ain't regular. Like, you ain't look like you were just out there fumbling around. I was like, hey, this boy got real-life skills. Like, give you something. Like, you feel me? Like, I was like, damn, I ain't even – I don't think I never told you that. But I was like, man, bro, I can hoop for real, for real. Hey, appreciate it, boy. Hey, uh, me and me and my boy P, man, you know, we were coming to East Side. <laughs> yeah, man, my boy P, man. I miss him, dog. I miss man, him. Man, he doing good, man, raising all them chilling, man. You know man, what I'm saying? Hey, if, if, uh, for anybody out there, we talking about uh, Jonathan Palmer, man, great guard. Was wait, JP played guard attacking with y'all? He played every man. He was a swing, man. He played center guard and tackle, you know right. what I'm saying, at right. Auburn, so. Nah, he, man, Jonathan. Hey, JP, all. I call him. I call him uh, Ellenwood. Ellenwood, man. Shout out to you, man. We, hey, we got. We need to get him on here, Mac. We need to. Man, we got to, man. I'm gonna pull him. I'm gonna pull him out the woodworks on him. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, great Auburn, man. So, when you watched Auburn this year, 
who was the one player that stood out to you amongst everybody on that team? Because it was kind of a disappointing year for us, but we did have a few standouts. So if anybody that stood out to you, who would you say? I'm going to go with uh, the number one receiver we had, Seth Williams. Yes, sir. Yeah. Bruh. Yeah. Bruh, he, he's, the, he's the real deal. He the butt-naked truth, man. You know now, what I'm saying? Like, as somebody who was a second round, you went second round? Second round, you know? I, I, pro, pro Bowl, all that stuff, right? Pro okay, Bowl, cool. all that. You know what I'm saying? Some, for somebody who knows what it takes, how do you feel like Seth Williams' games translate to the NFL? Well, a lot of times you have to have great ball skills at a wide receiver position, you know, and you got to be able to high point the ball. You know, mm. when they throw that 50-50 ball, you got to have that guy that can go up there, get it out the air, you know what I'm saying, and come down with it. And we right. saw him – I saw him do that time and time again. Right. You know, sometimes when Knicks would throw the ball, I saw him throw the ball behind the man before and still right. still go get it. Right. And you have to be able to make some of those types of adjustments in the NFL, especially right. if you want to be an elite type receiver. And right. I think he has all the tools to be that big, strong body, you know what I'm saying? Quick, right. can jump, can go get that ball at the high point. That's what you want at a quarterback position so that you can get those bombs, more than 50-yard bombs down the field. Right. No, absolutely, man. He was one of my favorite players, man, and I definitely wish him all the success in the NFL, man. Good, good young man. And uh, he was he was a special take for Auburn, being that he came from like the Tuscaloosa area. So, you know, he came prepared to yeah. show out. And he did what he's supposed to do, man. So, uh, man, yeah. Seth Williams, salute. And, uh, man, we appreciate everything you did. Now, let's get into some. And I want to bring some of your some more of your playing experience out now. You played on one of the greatest offensive lines in Auburn history and arguably are maybe the greatest, one of the, one of the, not the, one of the. Is it, we got Willie Anderson, you know, we got some guys. Yeah, big Willie, big Steve Wallace, them a big dog, you know what I'm saying? They came right. and paid the way before me, so I got mad respect for them. But, yeah. but you up there, bro. Like, you know what I'm saying? You one of the ones, like, it ain't a whole lot of guys that's come out of Auburn as at, at offensive tackle and became a, a Pro Bowl caliber player. And before injury, bro, you was on your way to, man, damn near Hall of Fame career, bro, to be honest. So, yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. for somebody who knows the position and knows what it takes for offensive line, our offensive line this year at Auburn, I would say we were kind of, I wouldn't say outmatched, but I would say we have some guys playing out of position, right? So, yeah. and when I say that, we had some guards playing tackle, you had some tackles yeah. playing guard, and, you know, uh, the footwork, is a major part of it. So with our offensive line, if you had to get a guy who had great size, let's say somebody like a Brodarius Ham, right? 6'5", 320, something like that, strong as an ox. He may not have the foot speed that, that you may have been blessed with, but we feel like he can get there. How would, what would you do? What would you say to him or what culture points would you give him in order for him to be successful as a tackle with more of a guard nature? It's all about the footwork. You, right. Like you said, you like you said, it's all about that pad. When you're playing guard, you can play more on the line of scrimmage, side to side. But whenever you're playing at edge, you have to be able to set vertically very well. You know, mm. and that's all about footwork. So right. until you can take not just that first kick, because from what I saw, they would take a good first kick. Their first out of their stance is good. Right. But then as soon as they get to that second and third, they're not trusting to keep their hips square. They go ahead and turn, you know what mm. I'm saying, way too quick, which get them out of balance. So okay. if I saw anything, you know, I want them to continue to work on their footwork and understand it's really a dance out there. 
Mm. You know what I'm saying? Whenever you, whenever you get out there, it's not a time where your feet need to stop and plant the ground. I'm mm. sorry. Unless somebody just hitting you with a, a bull rush, and that's straight down the middle of your body. Somebody not really hitting you with a bull rush on the side, you know, like, right. you just need to keep your feet moving. So, I think it on the head when you talked about their footwork, you know, right. guards playing tackle, that's just a totally different footwork that they have to learn. And the only way to really do it is continue to do it repetitively. You know, mm. that repetition is going to get to you to where you feel comfortable. Okay. And until you do that, I don't think that you can really make the stride from guard to tackle that you need to, but those boys are so athletic on the edge. Man, what? Hey, so with everything you just said, let me ask you this. Is there any chance that we can get you back on the planes in some type of coaching capacity? <laughs> any chance? I'm just throwing your name in the hat right now, bro. I just want to know. Bro, bro, I'm going to come on as a consultant or something. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> People got their morale straight, man. But, you right. know, uh, right now, I'm I'm loving life out of Cali, man. I, I don't think yeah. my wife going to let me come on back. Oh, man, man. She, she love it, man. And I love it. The kids love it. We just came out here back from Atlanta a couple of years ago. You know, okay. Right. Hey, I ain't never going to say never because I love my school that much. Right. Nah. I mean, a lot of folks don't really understand how, like, a lot of us was able to, it, like, I might not see you for five, ten years, but, you know, as soon as I see you, it's whatever. It just go back, man. We, we, we was there at a special time. You get what I'm saying? Yeah. So, like. Man, it, I don't think, like, the power of Auburn and the Auburn family is really strong, man. Even when you take guys from the hood like me and you, like, and, you know, you put us in that type of environment somewhere that gave us an opportunity to be successful and for us to be able to stick together regardless. I'm from the south side. I learned you from the east side. But if you seen us in, anywhere else, you wouldn't know who was from where. You know what I mean? Yeah, so yeah. we had a, it was, we were deep too now. Like back then, Bro, we, hey, I ain't gonna lie. We we had a lot of George boys over there. You know what I'm saying? Like, yes, sir. and I think that's what made it so comfortable. But one thing about Auburn is it's a real family. It's a real yeah. live family. Like I'm out here right now. If I see some blue and they're right hue, you know what I'm saying? I hit them <laughs> yeah. with that war eagle. You feel right. me? They Go with it. They gonna come with the war eagle and smile. Man, you know, it ain't man. gonna be no cap on. It's gonna be what? It ain't no, yeah. yeah, yeah. Like they gonna hit you and just keep on, keep on walking. Like, oh, okay, no, nah, they gonna they gonna turn around, hit you with a smile, and let yeah. them. <laughs> they had the same experience we did, and, it, and right. it was like that on the planes. When you came in, you didn't really feel like isolated. You didn't really feel like people didn't care. It was like some of the nicest, you know genuine people that I've met in my life came from that school. So right. I ain't never had nothing but love for it. You no, know, we, and we used to kick it. We used to kick it tough. You know what I'm saying? Right. It, right. It felt, right. it, we had fun, you know? Man, Somebody, it, it was home, bro. Like, let me tell you, let me tell you what broke my heart the most, man, when they tore down the D, bro. When they tore oh, the D down, yeah. they, tore, they tore down, we call Sewer Hall the D, man. When they tore down the D, man, I was but upset, it, bro. It don't look the but, same. Hey, ain't nothing else to say. There's so many memories over there, man. Hey, yeah. they, they live good over there, not over there. Yeah, they, <laughs> they would have had to kick me up out in that cafeteria where they be eating, bro. What you talking about? <laughs> like, boy, you graduated four years ago. Now, man, I like my... I, like my <laughs> I just commute to work. What y'all talking about? <laughs> Make sure I like that for. Make it Christmas, man. Come on with it, man. Man, I'm telling you, man. But hey, last question. I got to get you to settle something, bro. Go ahead. All right, so I had J.K.M. on, right? Okay. I asked J.K.M. So I was talking about Joe and 
and Ben Grubbs and Road Grade. I said, who was best dressed, bro? And they was at, uh, man, look how JKM did Road Grade. JKM said, <laughs> <laughs> hold on, bro. JKM said, well, it had to be Road Grade because he was still in there by the clothes. Oh, like, JK, I'm saying that, right? Man. <laughs> hey, hold on, hold on. Hold on, bro. All right. Then, so I get Rose Green on, right? I get Green on. Shout out to Green, man. Man, Rose Green, leave me a message, bro. Cussing. Man, I, I wish I had the message pulled up, bro. I'm going to send it to you. Man, J-Cam ain't a boop-boop. J-Cam ain't a boop-boop. I'm a boop. I was wearing mother boop-boop linen suits. Boop, man. Oh, he ain't never got no style. He was wearing jerseys, man. Don't tell him he's Grove Green. Go off on him. So I bring Roll Green on. All right. Roll Green said, man, J-Cam a lot. He's 6'5". How I'm still his clothes? He said, I wore tight clothes back then. That's what he said. He said, I wore my clothes to fit back then. So if you were the judge and you were to say, who is right or wrong? You ain't got to say either one. But in your personal opinion, as the judge, who would you say was in the right? I'm, I'm gonna say I'm gonna say JK I'm funny. <laughs> I would say I would say funny. Man. But I, I, I don't think well, Roll Green couldn't have stole none of my clothes unless he stole some of my big white tee we used to wear back in the day. JK, I think JK had one shirt in particular. He might have let Roll Green hold and ain't get back. You know how JK is. He felt salty because JK ain't gonna forget about that shirt. You know what I'm saying? That what? We do know. He ain't gonna forget about <laughs> man, that. Man, he that know shirt. the size, where he got it from, how much it costs, who back then. So he he ain't forgot it. So Roll Green, man, we let Mark McNeil be the judge. He cleared your name, even though, you know what I'm saying? Right. Ain't no, it, it don't take nobody to clear your name. But at the same time, you know, we having fun like we used to kick it back in the day. So, hey, hey. When I seen Ro Green standing outside one time in the middle of the summer with a full out, you know, cool just sweat on. Man. Slim, like the slim tight pants. I'm like, okay, like, bro, come in the dress to impress, bro. Man, you know what I'm saying? Like, man, he, don't play, bro. Can't play was, with him. He don't play. Now, man, I'm tell you, when I knew Road Green was different, man, it was fresh me when I first got to school. I was still 17 when I got there. So I had, I'm from Atlanta. We went, we were big clothes and all that. No boy coming to Florida, flavor, man, I seen Road Green in a pink linen suit. Yeah. Then he had the gold, offset gold teeth, big old gold chain. I was like, hey, man. I said, bro, the agent's already on campus. They ain't supposed to be here. Like, boy, there ain't no agent. Well, that's a player, boy. He a fresh, man. I said, God damn. Why? What they doing? Lo- hey, what they boy, doing? They, they, bring they bringing that Miami flavor there, boy. They, 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 they linen suit for real. What you talking nah, about? For him and Joe, you can't even hate on them, man. So, man, yeah, shout out to uh, the dealer connection. But hey, man, Matt, man, I appreciate it, man. It was good to have you on, man. You got your, you got a podcast on your own. Tell people to find you at, bro. Yeah, man, you can find us on Spotify, Apple Music, man. Two pros and the Joe, man. Pros is with apostrophe a little. You know what I'm saying? We're going to be possessive with ours, even though it's okay. correct English. You know what I mean? Right, like, right. yes, sir. Pros and the Joe. And it's me and my boy, Greg Camarillo. You know, catch Camarillo, doing big things, play wide receiver with me out in San Diego and play for the Dolphins. Yeah. And then we got the Joe, Matt Scravy, you know what I'm saying? In the confinement, you feel me? Nah, it's, it's, it's entertaining too, bro. I hear and that. People get to see, like, I don't think for the people that don't know you, they may see you and, you know, see how big you are and see, you know, how you carry yourself. 
Well, you one of the funniest dudes in the world, bro. So it's good to be able to hear you like cut back and relax, bro. So definitely entertain the show. Y'all make sure y'all go check it out. But hey, man, man, Mark. Well, I appreciate it, man. Much love, man. And uh, it has this Auburn stuff go. I keep you updated, bit dog. Man, let me know, man. I had a good time. Appreciate you for inviting me on your show, bro. Nah, so man, we'll see you in a minute. All right, all right.